Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another exciting night of NBA basketball. With the first pick, the Detroit Pistons select Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State University. Chandler again. Oh, what a block by Max Seal! My goodness! The Pistons are digging in. They got the depth. They got the big men. They got the better basketball team. No doubt about it. There's Jaden playing the passing lane. Sky's a jam. Dynamite dunk and the crowd loves it. Pistons need a three and they have just under three seconds to do it. Here's Chauncey Phillips. Here it is. Pistons fans, hello and welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast brought to you by Believe. Aaron Johnson here hosting this week. Joining me is Jasper at Bologna. Jasper, we got some fun topics to get into. Don't want to waste too much time. But my friend, thanks for being here. How you doing? Oh, it's it's you know what? It's great to be here, Aaron. And I'm happy that we do have stuff to talk about. We were very close to spending an hour just breaking down the that video of the lady punching a horse and getting sued for it. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy we have Pistons stuff to talk about, although I'll be honest, sometimes, uh, talking about the Pistons does feel like getting punched in the face. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it was either that or, uh, or, or dissecting all the film from the Rico Hines footage that dropped on Thursday morning. Uh, I mean, yeah, that would give me a headache too. <laughs> Honestly, we really were thinking about it. Uh, but how many times can you say, yeah, Cade Cunningham, uh, is good at basketball, um, and we saw some pickup games to show it. So I respect how many people were on pins and needles waiting for that footage to drop. And I say that as someone that watched the full 45 minutes uh, that was uploaded. Like I watched every second of it. I It's amazing though, how many people cared about it that much when in reality, it's, it's pretty meaningless pickup basketball being played at, you know, not NBA game level intensity, but it's just like that, that desire to watch the guys on your team play basketball again. And, and it's fun matchup stuff too. I mean, when you see guys teaming up, I mean, there weren't, there weren't a ton of crazy team ups in this, uh, in this footage today, but when, you know, when you get Pascal Siakam and, you know, insert star from another team you get some, you get some interesting mix ups and team ups in, in the Rico Hines runs and other summer league runs that, that we don't see in the NBA all the time, but I couldn't believe the immediate, uh interaction with the 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 footage i mean people ch- chopping up highlight clips and stuff i mean i love the passion for it but i just i can't believe there are that many people waiting for it oh yeah i mean let's be clear i also watched the footage like if we're making fun of people for being sickos it is only because we are true sickos ourselves it's uh I don't know. It's like when something, you know, truly uh, horrifying happens to you and you can joke about it years later, like Vietnam vets talking about stuff like that just gives you like a really dark sense of humor. That's kind of what being a Pistons fan is all about. I think we have some sort of PTSD (laughs) after the last 15 years. I don't know what it is, Aaron. Uh, But yeah, we're in the same boat. I I will watch this stuff all day long. And even while I'm watching it, I'm looking at him like I'm learning nothing meaningful from this, but I don't care. I'm still going through it. They could put uh, different pickup games out with the Pistons every day. And I'd sit and watch it because I'm truly a low life with nothing else better to do. But I I will say, I, I, 
I'm serious. We're not breaking down this the the this footage from today, but was there any piston that that stood out to you that popped off the screen? For me, it was Asar Thompson. I just feel like he had some nice plays on both sides of the court that he was ending up on camera for in the Pistons games more than some of the other guys that were playing. Yeah, because he's one of those guys, and this is one of those things that we have talked about even in the pre-draft process. His effort level is just 100% all the time. That dude is never going to take a playoff, and it doesn't matter if he's playing a pickup game. It doesn't matter if he's playing in the NBA Finals, which I'll knock on wood for that one. Um, He's just a guy that's going to give 100% effort, especially on the defensive end. And when you're playing pickup basketball where, you know, guys are not – perhaps necessarily uh, playing with the tightest of handles and they're kind of messing around a little bit. If you give that kind of effort, you are going to jump off of the screen. And he certainly did. Uh, It's one of those things, you know, I think the number one highlight I saw of him was him going up and and getting that steal and then uh, running in transition. Like that's just what he's going to do no matter what, when he's on a basketball court. And that's why I love Asar Thompson. I'm so excited to see him play this year. All right, so there's your Rico Hines footage breakdown. Can't say we didn't give it to you. That's <laughs> uh, a little taste, a little taste for you. The, the sad thing is, like, if we had like a a, a, a subscription model, like, uh, where fans had to or your listeners had to, uh, you know, pay to listen, like, we'd have like another episode where we actually broke down all all 45 minutes and it was like subscriber only type stuff. But we're we're not going to do that right now. We we do got to get into the actual topics, the more important topics uh, of today's show. But before we do do that, I want to talk about our sponsor. I mentioned him at the top of the show. That's the one and only Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your sports betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports ranging from for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Again, the promo code BLEAV. B-L-E-A-V for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Okay, let's go into our first topic because we, we although we could talk about the, the footage from Rico Hines and some of the, the ball handling skills that got put on on show by Kate Cunningham or lack thereof in those, we're not going to get, we're not going to talk about it, but people were chopping up clips for, from it, showcasing that. We're going to talk about real stuff, and that's the Pistons' second unit next season. It's it's going to be much different than it was this previous year uh, with some of the new additions coming into the fold for Detroit this offseason and Monte Morris, Asar Thompson, Joe Harris. There's some others as well, but the second unit is going to look much different with these additions to the roster. And you have to consider the guys that are currently on the roster returning from last year. Guys like Killian Hayes, Alec Burks, Isaiah Livers, Marvin Bagley, James Wiseman. So, with all those names that I mentioned, you'd imagine that even though the Pistons have a roster spot left, you know, it, it, it probably won't be anything too crazy, even if they do get a guy that impacts the rotation. Let's assume that, you know, Rodney Magruder and Hamadou Diallo are not coming back. Obviously, Corey Joseph left for Golden State this offseason. The second unit's going to look different. We talked about last week on the show a little bit about what the starting lineup probably looks like. Just where do you see this? 
how do you see this second unit shaping out with mixing the guys from last year's roster and the new additions this offseason? Oh, man, it's it's a really tough situation to figure out right now because you have so many guys that, for one reason or another, uh, deserve playing time on this roster. And, and that goes down to even the players that you don't anticipate really being focal points. Uh, I mean, Marvin Bagley is the third highest player paid player on this roster. It's hard to see where he fits into the equation right now. And like you said, they still have a roster spot open. I'm still of the belief that there is another move that they're going to make before the season is truly kicks off. Like, I still think that they have a real incentive to get rid of Marvin Bagley and Killian Hayes as well. So the way that I see this second unit kind of breaking down is more into, like, there are certain guys that are guaranteed to have a certain role on this team, and then I'm just trying to figure out the rest of it. So for me, Monte Morris is, he's 100% the backup point guard. I, I think you agree with that, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I, and and especially when you have two starters and Kate Cunningham and, and Jaden Ivey that were pretty turnover prone. Like the fact of the matter is that he is a guy that just does not turn over the ball. He's never averaged more than one turnover per game in his entire career, Aaron. And that's even when dishing out 5.3 assists last year, which was a career high for him. He just doesn't turn over the ball. So I think having that kind of stability, um, especially if, say Jaden Ivey does struggle a little bit with turnovers at one point in the season. I think having that is going to be really crucial. Uh, I, I also think just Alec Burks has to play as well. He was just too good last year and the, his ability to, to handle the ball and shoot the three uh, play isolation offense and also play off ball. It's just too important to what this team needs uh, and so I think he has to be playing as well. Asar Thompson is another guy that has to fit into that equation one way or another, too. I think other than that, I'm not 100% certain anybody here has a, a really like clear, set, guaranteed role. I have no idea what's going to happen with Joe Harris. I have no idea how Monty Williams is going to split up that Marvin Bagley, James Wiseman combination. Um, and more so than that, like who is really the backup for, is it going to be Isaiah livers? Um, I, I have no idea. So for me, that's kind of where I'm at. I think there's, there are three guys that absolutely have a set role. And then there's two other guys that I have no idea and making it even harder is that outside of Monty Morris, you know, Alec Burks could be playing the two or the three. Asar Thompson could be playing the two, three, or, or even the four at points. So it's going to be difficult to kind of figure out how this rotation is truly going to pan out. Aaron, do you see it any other way? Is, you know, are you of the belief that James Wiseman, because of what he's getting paid, or Marvin Bagley, because of what they invested in him, that these guys have a guaranteed playing time at the back end of the roster to, to start off the season? Or is that something that they're going to have to prove, especially when you have now players kind of on the edge of the roster in Isaiah Livers and Marcus Sasser and Killian Hayes? Well, I, I, I think Detroit having, you know, this many, this many guys that at least have some sort of claim 
to playing time is, is a good thing. You know, last year there were guys where it was easy to say they don't really have any business being in the rotation. You know, Rodney McGruder was a, a, a break glass in cases of emergency type guy, even though, you know, when he did get in, he'd have his couple of games where he'd shoot, you know, 50% from the three point line and end up with 15 points. But, you know, they just didn't have that same number of guys that they seemingly have this year that all have claims two minutes in the rotation. Now, you know, one thing that I'm hopeful for with the insertion of a new coach and a new philosophy and a new system is that the Pistons get away from, you know, a, a, a heavy dose of, of five-man bench unit uh, minutes where, you know, five guys off the bench are all playing together for a, a, a large spurt of time. And that was something that, you know, Dwayne Casey did, Stan Van Gundy did it. I, I think we're transitioning to to a, a place in the league where, where less teams are, are employing, you know, full-on bench units for large chunks of minutes. Uh, it was a lot easier to do it in a place like Phoenix where you kind of had, had to do it because you had so many high-volume high players, high-volume scorers on the roster that it was easier and necessary to break down their minutes where those high-volume scorers are not always on the court together. It allows them to kind of have their time on the court to – to be the vocal point and, and run the show and things like that. But even in Detroit, you can make that case with Cunningham and Ivy and, uh, you know, Bogdanovich and Alec Burks. Like there's, there's guys that are, you, you expect to fit in the scoring uh, packing order. You know, those are going to be the, the highest names in that, that order. And, and even in terms of the roles that they play, like, Cunningham can handle the basketball. Ivy can handle the basketball. Monte Morris can handle the basketball. So it's to me, it's there's less of a worry in my mind of okay, I need to pencil in a point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, and center off the bench. I just need to find probably still five guys. You know, Monte Morris will probably Monte Williams, excuse me, will probably still play ten guys throughout the course of the game. But I, I just need to find those five guys off the bench that I can fit into my rotation at some point even if it's not a, I have a one through five off the bench that are going to go in, you know, throughout the course of the first quarter and start the second quarter together. Um, I'm in agreement where, you know, Alec Burks is is, is going to get minutes, has to get minutes. Monte Moore's going to be the backup point guard, has to be the backup point guard. He's too good not to be. There's no one better better for the position than him on the roster. Uh, I, I, I would expect with, with the, the way the roster's built out and, and the way the Pistons really do seem to value him, that James Wiseman's going to get, uh, those backup center minutes. And after that, I think minutes are up for grabs, right? Like uh, you'd imagine Isaiah Livers is, is going to get an opportunity. He's been injured as a, a large dose of his first two seasons in the league, but we, we've seen some flashes. It's kind of a make or break here for him where he's got to prove, Hey, a, I can stay on the court. B I can contribute. And, and three, I can bring you positional versatility because at this point it doesn't seem like he's ever going to be a, you know, a starting level three, but if he's a guy that can play, 20, 20 minutes off the bench as, as a three or a four and shoot 40% from the three-point line, that's where his value is going to be. So you've kind of got to figure the, that that stuff out with him. Marvin Bagley, to me, is, is a, pretty much a lost cause uh, at this point. I think with the, with the guys on the roster, there's just really not going to be a huge opportunity for him until someone's missing time with an injury in the front court. And then there's Asar Thompson and Joe Harris. Both those guys have claims to minutes. Thompson is obviously uh, a top pick coming in. There's high expectations for him to be able to contribute defensively. He's shown that he can help out offensively, even though he's not a great shooter or, or, or scorer yet. He does some other stuff. 
But Joe Harris is a, is a proven veteran that that provides floor spacing to a team that needs three point shooting. So, you know, I, I don't necessarily have the the exact combination. I don't have the net exact minutes breakdown, but I feel comfortable saying that guys like Monte Morris, Alec Burks, and James Wiseman uh, are going to be in the rotation. Uh, Sar Thompson may not get as many minutes at the beginning of the year as you'd expect, but this is something that I learned years ago back when the Pistons brought in Christian Wood and, and still had Thon Maker on the roster. And, and if you were listening to the podcast uh, that, that many moons ago, you know where I'm going with this, and I super appreciate you still being here listening to me now. Thon Maker, or, you know, in this case, Joe Harris, is going to get that opportunity to get to pl- get played out of those minutes. He's going to get the minutes to start. Christian Wood, or in this case, Asar Thompson's going to have to fight for those minutes and eventually earn those minutes over him. It's just a respect thing in the NBA. And, and maybe it doesn't play out exactly between Thompson and Harris that way, but it breaks out, you know, between Thompson and someone else. I, I don't know, because Asar Thompson could end up starting, and it could end up being a starting five of, Cunningham, Ivy, Thompson, Bogdanovich, and Duran. And then we're having a different conversation. But there's a lot of guys that have a case to minutes. I, I think the guys we know probably aren't in it right now are Marcus Sasser, uh, Killian Hayes. And if I if I had to imagine, I'd say Marvin Bagley's probably out of it right now. I I would imagine they're they're giving uh minutes to Isaiah Livers in their heads as of now, and I know they're giving minutes to James Wiseman. Yeah, so the more the more I think about this, honestly, the more fascinating the conundrum becomes because there are just so many different combinations that that could feasibly work here, and so many different guys that do have that claim to playing time. I guess my question for you is: first off, how many players do you see this rotation going? Um, because you said ten, but man, I have such a hard time seeing this being like capped at a 10 man rotation i think it has to be a 12 man rotation to start the year and and how i look at it is Agreed. just like agree like you said i'm sorry we're yeah and and i think like you said like james wiseman at this point has to be the guy that you're prioritizing but let's be honest marvin bagley outplayed james wiseman in the majority of the games that they were both uh healthy for at the end of the year do you think that there is an, a realistic way that if Marvin Bagley does fit into that rotation um, and he does play outplay James Wiseman at the center position that he takes those minutes away from, from Wiseman? Even more so, do you even think Marvin Bagley is going to be playing the, uh, the, the five? Because if he's playing the four, I think Isaiah Livers could be in trouble there as well. Um it just seems like there's a, like a lot of different ways that they could approach this that could turn out in a lot of different to 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 a lot of different outcomes for for different players. Like, are they going to play Bagley at the five or the four? And if they do, is he going to actually get a chance to overtake the other guys that are competing with him at that position? Um, is there an actual battle for backup center minutes? Is there an actual battle for backup small forward minutes? Like you said, with Joe Harris versus Star Thompson. I know what you're saying with Joe Harris, but at the other hand, like, what if a Star Thompson comes out and day one is just an NBA ready small forward? Like he still can't shoot, but everything else he gives you is so high level. What do you do there? Not just with like the Joe Harris minutes, but then the Boyan Bogdanovich minutes and the Isaiah Stewart minutes. I know I'm asking you a lot here, but 
do you actually think that there is like a, a that this rotation is going to be fairly set to begin the season and only if guys massively outplay other players at the position that it's going to change? Or, or do you think that this is going to be a fluid situation um, from the beginning of the season throughout it where certain guys could play their way into and out of rotation spots? Definitely. I mean, there's no, I just don't see how it could be a set rotation with, with the number of guys that, that you have coming into the fold and, and, and have, you know, bids for minutes. Uh, there's just too many names to, to know going into October 25th or whatever the, the, the first game of the season is, you know, I got my 10 and, and, and that's, I, I, there's no changing it. Right. Uh, you'll probably see 12, 13 guys play those, those first few games of the year, or, or you'll see, you know, someone like Joe Harris get more minutes game one and Asar Thompson get more minutes game two or, or something like that with some sort of combination uh, of players I, and then that's how it should be right there's again there's no way that in the four preseason games the Pistons are going to play and the two weeks of training camp that the team has that Monty Williams is going to have enough time to implement his system and build the foundation of, of his system and know the 10 guys that he probably eventually is going to settle on you know a month or two into the season uh, in his rotation assuming guys are healthy so yeah I think the beginning of the year it's going to be 12, 13 guys playing. And, and that's not a bad thing, right? I mean, that means you have enough players that that you have expectations for and want to give minutes to. They just have to go out and prove that they've earned those minutes. And, you know, I think that that's a good thing. I think it's going to breed good competition. And, you know, hopefully the team stays healthy enough where those are competitive competitions and it's not guys buying out, bowing out of the race because the Pistons are suffering a ton of injuries and, 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 and too many guys are hurt to the point where, you know, Killian Hayes is in the rotation by game seven and, you know, Marvin Bagley's playing the back of five minutes, 12 games in the year. So uh, I think it's a good thing. I, I expect there to be a competition at the beginning of the year. I just don't think you can go into, you know, December and, and January playing 12, 13 guys. That's pretty much unheard of. So I think eventually the Pistons are going to have to land on the, the, their, their 10, you know, 11 maybe and, and go from there. And, that could change uh, as their starting lineup changes as the season goes on. I mean, nothing says that the the starting five that Detroit starts out with, you know, if it's the the heavily anticipated Cunningham, Ivy, Bogdanovich, Stewart, Dern starting five, that might not be the starting lineup by February. That might not be the starting lineup by December. I mean, things change. Players underperform. Other players overperform. Fit. Fit works, fit doesn't work. So a lot of things could change that could affect the rotation, not just off the bench, but but in the starting lineup uh, as well. So I think, you know, I, that's going to be the big thing for me uh, is watching how this rotation breaks down and also does Monty Williams stagger different guys? Does he stagger Cunningham and Ivy a little bit more? Uh, it, how tied down is he to playing Stewart and Duran together? So those are the types of things I'll be looking for. You know, we've, we've mentioned it a lot here, but there's a lot of different combinations uh, and lineup configurations that the Pistons are going to have the opportunity to, to work with and, and test. So uh, I'll be watching that very closely throughout, you know, preseason training camp and in the first few weeks to, to month of the season. Well, you know, you said it right there, 12 or 13 man rotation. And for me, the, the player who would be number 13 as of right now in that rotation is Killian Hayes, a player you mentioned. Um, where do you see Killian Hayes fitting into this equation? 
do you think that there is actually a path to him potentially i mean i don't even want to say overtaking monty morris that seems unbelievably it just does not seem within the realm of possibility considering what both guys do like i know they don't play the same type of basketball um but do you think that there is a path to him getting any sort of backup guard minutes this year like if he's even on the team to begin the season do you think he's actually going to get a shot to show what he can do because as we've already discussed uh that backup point guard shooting guard situation with harris and burks and morris and even potentially uh you know uh, um a a sar thompson depending on how you look on him you know that that seems very very difficult for killian hayes to get any sort of traction in do you think that there's actually a path for him i, I don't see it no i mean, quite frankly i don't you know the starting guards are are, are set and there's no world right now where Killing Hayes deserves to get minutes over either Monty Morris or Alec Burks. And let's be honest, you know, is he getting minutes over Joe Harris? No. Heck, what about Marcus Sasser, right? I, I, I was about to say, like, if somebody goes down, who do you think gets the first shot at those minutes? And do it you think be, it's it Sasser or do you think it's Hayes? I, it, it should be Sasser. It might be Hayes just by seniority, but I mean... Sasser's a first-round pick. The Pistons paid assets to get him. Sasser seemingly had a a pretty strong summer. He had a couple of good summer league outings. He's been with the team, uh, you know, in all their 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 training and the offseason. He was at the Rico Hines runs. Uh, I mean, I think for a first-round pick, a guy that was talked about as being able to come in and contribute on both sides of the floor as a a, a good scorer, a good shooter, and a pesky defender, like. I don't really necessarily know if I want to waste my time on Killian Hayes, who I just don't believe in anymore. I'd rather see Marcus Sasser, a first round pick, a rookie who's, let's be honest, he just knew. He says he's, he's, it's something new. And at this point, I've seen enough Killian Hayes. It would take a massive, massive change in the way that, that he performs to, to get me to buy in. But I mean, both Sasser and Hayes are pretty much on the outside looking in right now. Uh, until one of Cunningham, Ivy, Monty Morris, Alec Burks has to miss time, and even then, if someone like Joe Harris is out of the rotation, I imagine he gets a shot to to for for minutes as well. Uh, you know, in that regard. Interesting. I you know I don't know if I fully agree with you. I think if Monty Morris goes down, that's pretty much. I'm not even going to talk about one of the guys that's starting. We're not. I'm not even putting that out there. Right. If Monty Morris goes down. I think that is the path for Killian Hayes because I just have a hard time believing if I was an NBA head coach that I would be comfortable throwing out a a backup, you know, guard rotation of Alec Burks, uh, who has never succeeded playing point guard. Like I, I know he played a little point guard with the Knicks. It that was not really successful. Um, or Marcus Sasser, who is undersized at six foot two. I mean, let's be honest, he's six foot two. He's listed at six three, six two, maybe six one even. I-, I would have a really hard time feeling confident throwing those two guys out to run my backup, uh, my my second unit. I just think that would be really difficult. I think you would kind of have to play Killian Hayes in that situation. It's just so hard to see them. Um, yeah, going in with those two guys as ball handlers and being able to run an effective 
effective half-court offense. I just think you're tempting fate there. Both guys can really fill it up, but I just don't see where the playmaking would be, especially if you're playing like a Joe Harris. Now, on the other hand, perhaps you're playing a Sar Thompson and you decide to split those ball handling duties up three ways and give a Sar a real shot at being a playmaker. Um, which outcome would you see as being more realistic in that sense? If, if Monty Morris were to miss any sort of time, do you think that you'd be more comfortable saying, Hey, you know what? We'll do it with Killian or you know what? We're going to try and split up these playmaking duties kind of like, you know, 40, 30, 30 uh, between Burks, Asar and Sasser. See, if we're talking about five man units as a whole, and we're focusing on a specific bench unit, to me, it makes more sense to to go with Sasser, Burks, and you know, Asar Thompson. I mean, it if you have Killian Hayes out there, and you have Asar Thompson out there, and you have James Wiseman out there, and you know, maybe you have Marvin Bagley out there, it's like you're not going to have any sort of floor spacing. So, uh, I think between Burks, Sasser, and Thompson, there's enough ball handling and in in passing skills there to to make it work, and it just spaces the floor better when you have a guy like Wiseman who, who's going to play in the paint and Bagley's out there as well. Thompson's not facing the floor for you really. So you, you need to space the floor. I think there's, I think they could get away with the, 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 the ball handling and distribution skills of those three combined. I don't think Killian Hayes is, is that much leaps and bounds better to make up for, you know, what he would take away from the team in terms of shooting and scoring and finishing at the rim I just think it makes more sense to to put a guy out there that is going to give you com, com, high compete level defensively, but still be able to do stuff for you offensively as a shooter, as a scorer, uh, you know, whereas maybe he's not the ball handler, maybe he's not the passer that Hayes is, but I still think there's enough with Thompson out there who's very highly regarded for his, you know, ancillary, uh, ancilla, I can't say the word right now. Maybe. Ancillary, ancillary, I gotcha ancillary passing and, and ball handling skills and Burks out there who, who can do it as well. I just think there's enough to get by uh, and focus on the, the skills that that Sasser brings. Yeah. And, and I think really kind of just to wrap up my thoughts on this, that is really kind of where you stand with all of these hypothetical bench units. There are upsides that you can see with all these different combinations, but at the same time, there is some real downsides and a big reason for that is the lack of true wings on this roster especially you know your forward centric wings and it, it is just every single combination you put together you say well I could see how this this and this could work but on the other hand there is always it seems going to be some sort of Achilles heel with all of them you know whether you're throwing Killian Hayes out there then it's the shooting um, or if you're deciding to go with like Joe Harris and Burks and Asar and Monty Morris, then there's a lack of size. So there, it, it's going to be very difficult. And I think we both are in agreement here. There's just going to be a lot of tinkering uh, with the second units, probably even more so than the the starting lineup, because it does really feel like there are four guys who are pretty much locked into their roles there. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see. And hey, we didn't even talk about like what happens if Isaiah Stewart doesn't really pan out at, at power forward this year. So I anticipate a lot of tinkering with these lineups. I, I agree. I think it's going to be 12 men, 13 if Killian Hayes is on the team and Monty Williams decides to give him a shot. 
but it's going to be more about figuring out which combination of those 12 guys, 13 guys fit together best, uh, at least for the opening month or so. Yeah, I think it's it's one of the bigger storylines surrounding the Pistons, you know, outside of, hey, is, you know, how healthy is Cade Cunningham? Uh, you know, how does he get back into the flow of things? And I think the Isaiah Stewart at the four storyline is pretty significant as well. But outside of those two things, I think just how the general rotation breaks down in the roster competition, uh, I think is interesting. I, again, I, I think the big one for me is is what happens between the minutes of Asar Thompson and Joe Harris, assuming Bogdanovich and Stewart are in the starting lineup. How does Monty Williams break those minutes down with the rest of the second unit guys? So I'm very interested to see how that plays out. And, you know, hopefully we'll get to to learn more about that soon. I mean, we're, what, a month away from, yeah, a little over a month away, about a month and a couple, a week or two from the Pistons' first preseason game. Uh, but we'll start hearing things in, in at in training camp and media day as well. So we'll we'll get to know more soon. Uh, I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. But I do want to move into our second topic of today's show. Just a couple interesting little questions that we put together. You know, I think obviously the expectations are high for guys like Kate Cunningham and Jaden Ivy and Jalen Duran. But as we just talked about, the rest of the roster is is in flux you know we don't know how everyone else's role and minutes are going to break down uh for Detroit but this season is there anyone that you look at and say this is the x factor for Detroit this year this guy really holds the key to a lot of Detroit's success this upcoming season does anyone come to mind for you in that regard for sure for me it has to be a Sar Thompson um, he is the only player on this roster that really fits that true wing mold for Detroit. And while we've consistently been saying we feel as though he has so much potential, he is still very much an unknown. And a lot of how far this Pistons team goes, not just in the future, but this year as well, is going to come down to just how high of a level he can perform right out of the gate. And even as the season goes on, is he going to be that absolutely unstoppable transition force, that player that cuts to the rim every single time he's on the floor and keeps defenses moving? Is he going to be able to provide enough of an outside shot to provide spacing and keep defenses honest and potentially get him into the starting lineup? We know he's going to provide defense, but how high level is that defense going to be? How impactful? Like, we know he can block perimeter shots, but is that something that he's going to do every single game? Are we going to see him coming out of the weak side on drives to the basket every single game and making those blocks? Is he going to be coming up with, you know, a steal and a half per game that he turns into transition offense and he finishes? Is he going to be a lob threat? There's so many unknowns when it comes to Asar Thompson's game. And while I'm such a believer in his long-term potential, what is he going to do this year? That's a huge, huge question for me, even more so than just like his scoring and his defense. How much of the ball is he going to see? Is he going to be given the opportunity to make plays for others? And when he does, how good is he going to be at that? Um, how much of an opportunity is he going to get? How much of an opportunity is he going to earn? What position is he even going to play? Like, these are all questions that the Pistons season is going to hinge on, the answers to them. Um, 
if he can hit, you know, what we know his potential is in his first year, things could turn around really, really quickly in Detroit. But if it takes him a season or two to really get his feet wet and get his legs underneath him, the story could be could be pretty different. Um, so yeah, that's that is my number one X factor for this season. I just think that no matter what happens, we know what we're going to get from Cade. We know what we're going to get to a certain extent from Jaden Ivey. We don't know what we're getting from Asar Thompson. And the results of that could, you know, lead to 10 more wins. Or he could just be another young, promising piece that still needs a couple seasons to mature. No, I think that's, I think that's a really good pick. Asar uh, Thompson, you know, his his potential impact this team, as you just laid out, is it's there, it's prevalent, and it's important. And it could it's important this year, you know, not just down the line. I think he has a chance to really impact this team uh, this upcoming season. According to Bet Online, he is seventh in the rookie of the year odds at plus four thousand to win the award behind mm. Cam Whitmore at plus twenty eight hundred and Eamon Thompson at plus twenty five hundred. Uh, but who, I think, who else is that? I mean, I guess Chet and yep. I'm guessing the first three picks, right? Yep. So Wembenyama leads it. Henderson is second at plus two fifty. Holmgren plus three twenty five. Brandon Miller at plus twelve hundred. Amon at plus twenty five and Cam at plus twenty eight. Then Asar and Jarris Walker are both at plus four thousand. Interesting. I wouldn't be betting on on. I mean, I the the Houston guys kind of splitting that up a little bit. That's kind of interesting. Cam Whitmore. I okay. We'll see. Uh, I I like Asar. My money's on Chat. My money's on Chat to win Rookie of the Year. Uh, he's he's gonna have a a, a very good rookie year. I. I'm very confident in that. But yeah, if you're a believer in a star Thompson, hey, plus four thousand, that's uh it's enticing, right? It's it's enticing. There's just some stiff competition he's gotta beat out. But the role should be there for Detroit. You know, even if it's not there right away down the line, it feels like Thompson's gonna have a significant role on this team. Uh, I, within the first I mean he could play he could play 15 minutes a game this year, he could play 30 minutes a game this year, and I would not be surprised with either outcome. But Whichever one it is, is going to reveal a lot about how this Pistons season goes. No doubt. I, I I agree. I agree. I think there's a, you know, there's a large variance in what role he could play. I think it might be a smaller one to begin the year, but he works into a bigger one by the end. So my X Factor pick is if, if you've listened to me throughout the time, uh, you know, throughout the past year or so, you, you might know where I'm going with this. It's Isaiah Stewart, right? There's been a lot of talk about Isaiah Stewart. There's a lot of belief in him around the league. There's a lot of belief in him uh, in this fan base. And the Pistons paid up for him this offseason, committed $60-plus million to him over the next four years in a contract extension, was one of the only players, might still be the only player from the draft class, to sign a rookie extension that wasn't a max contract, you know, Anthony Edwards signed his extension. LaMelo Ball signed his extension. I believe there was one other, maybe Desmond Bain uh, as well, that signed his extension. Those were all max deals. Isaiah Stewart was the only one that extended but didn't agree to a max extension. The Pistons believe in him a lot, so much so that they are seemingly ready to build around him as their starting four, uh, as it appears now with Jalen Duran at the five. I think this is a big year for Stewart. I think it's a big year for the Pistons to know where they're at with Stewart and how much they can continue to build around him as the starting four. 
a lot of talk about him as a three-point shooter. He has, you know, he's a 32%, 33% three-point shooter in his career so far in over 300 attempts. Uh, the numbers have to increase this year. It's year four. There's been, you know, the talk each season about how Stewart's going to continue to get better as a shooter. The numbers haven't necessarily bared that out yet. This year, he's going to have to take a leap as a floor spacer if he's if the Pistons are going to be able to sustainably build with him and Durant at the four and five in the front court. I think there's also a lot to be said about him becoming a better finisher uh, around the rim. Hopefully that won't be as much of a, a glaring issue this upcoming season as it was last year, mainly with Jalen Durant now pretty much assuming the five duty completely and having some better playmaking out there in a full season of Cade Cunningham. Um, I think a lot rides on on Stewart. I think, yes, the Pistons have some options if things aren't working out and, and him coming in as the starting four isn't working. Yes, they can turn to Bogdanovich. Uh, they could maybe turn to Asar Thompson at, at the three and Bogdanovich at the four. Maybe even Isaiah Livers, but they don't want to do that. doesn't seem like they want to do that. They want to commit to Stewart and – it needs to work out this year. I think there needs to be a pretty sizable leap uh, in his production. He contributes some good things defensively. He can st- 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 step out and defend on the perimeter pretty well for a big, uh, but offensively as a floor spacer, as a finisher, uh, you know, as a screen setter, there's some room for improvement in Stewart's game. And it's got to come this year uh, if the Pistons are going to continue to know if they can build around him one way or the other. Absolutely. Another good pick and, and probably guy that would have been number two for me. We've talked about Isaiah Stewart as a shooter so many times on this show. Um, you know, we're, we all know how up and down his season was from outside where he shot 23% in October, shot 51% in November, and then 36% in December uh, before finally getting injured, you know, that, that shoulder injury. And he just could not shoot well uh, the rest of the year. And so it really comes down to which one of those, you know, splits was, was the correct one, which one really shows who he is. I'm not expecting 51%, but if Isaiah Stewart can shoot 36, 37% on what we have to assume will be fairly open threes to begin the season, uh, even when he was shooting well from outside last year, let's, let's not get it twisted. Like defenses only really guarded his three-point shot for about two weeks in December. Um, and then, you know, we got that shoulder injury and they completely stopped. Like they were daring him to shoot those threes. So he has to absolutely knock down all of those open threes. Like that is the baseline for Isaiah Stewart. If he can do that, I'm going to feel a lot more confident in his ability to hold down the power forward position, even if I don't really have confidence in him ever being a a really good finisher around the rim. Like he just has never been that in his career. And I just don't see it for him. He just doesn't have that vertical explosiveness. Um, At least when he's underneath the basket. On the other hand, we've seen him be able to elevate when he's driving from the perimeter. I think about the, that dunk that he threw down against the Atlanta Hawks last year when he was playing power forward and, you know, didn't take the three faked it and drove all the way to the basket doing that being able to to shoot the open three and be able to take guys off the dribble and finish at the rim 
that is going to be massive for Isaiah Stewart this year. And and honestly, I think a big part of the future of this team really does hinge on he how he pans out because in many ways he's a litmus test for Troy Weaver's vision and what Troy Weaver values on his team. I think whether he works out or not this year, it's definitely going to say a lot about the the position that the Pistons are in and whether he can play power forward. Look, I, I still think even if he doesn't pan out at power forward for $15 million a year, he's going to be maybe slightly overpaid for a backup center. And then, you know, for the last two years of his deal, be reasonably paid. So I'm not too worried about that aspect of it. But yeah, this Pistons season and what they're going to be able to do, especially in regards to their lineups, like you mentioned, Boyan Bogdanovich can't be playing the four again this year. Like it just can't happen. And in order for that to really pan out, Isaiah Stewart's got to be the guy that works there. Um, So, yeah, I I think that's a great pick. You also mentioned Isaiah Livers, and I think we kind of left him in the shuffle here. But, boy, that guy's really got to hope that Marvin Bagley is playing center this year and not power forward because he's so loud down to the pecking order. And it sucks because he's a guy that's shown promise and shown potential but he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. He just hasn't been able to be consistent. And um, it's going to be hard to see him really getting a, a big shot this year, unless in the limited minutes he does play, he's absolutely in fuego. Yeah, I think that's what makes the the roster competition, the rotation battle so intriguing is there's a number of guys who – you know, their their NBA career is, is kind of going to start to hinge on if they start performing and if they're able to stay healthy. And I think, you know, those couple guys you mentioned certainly fall in that category. Quickly here is, you know, we wrap up this week's show. Is there anyone on the team that you maybe feel is, is kind of being set up or is set up to disappoint or under underperform this upcoming year? Oh, man, this I, I like how you said that, Aaron. This is really like a put up, shut up year for a lot of guys on this roster. I think that's true for Marvin Bagley. I think that's true for Joe Harris. I think that's true for, um, you know, uh, uh, Killian Hayes. And honestly, I think it's probably true for James Wiseman as well. These are guys that are going to have a really hard time getting another contract if things don't work out for them this year. If I had to say out of those players, if there's one of them that's set up to disappoint, um, you know what? I'm actually going to go with the guy I just mentioned, Isaiah Livers. I, I think that this is a really precarious position for him. It's going to be really hard for him to find playing time on this roster. And I, I just don't know. Like, even with injuries, I think it would be difficult for him to crack a, a serious shot at this rotation. It's going to be very difficult. Like, I, I just, it's hard to see where the minutes come from him this year because even if, you know why you know Stewart doesn't work out to four and Bagley doesn't work out there's still potentially better options on your roster that you'd rather try and see if they work in like a Sar Thompson um yeah it, it it's kind of hard for me to see Isaiah Livers I hate to say it but like sticking in the league after this year I think it's going to be an uphill battle for him I'll go with my pick as James Wiseman. Uh, the opportunity is there for him. It's there for the taking as the backup five right now, it appears. 
you know, unless the Pistons and Monty Williams shock the world and end up starting him alongside Jalen Duren or even over Jalen Duren, it seems like James Wiseman is going to have the opportunity to play consistent minutes to begin the season. And I, I just don't think he's shown enough uh, to instill enough confidence in me uh, in thinking that he's going to to grow and develop and perform well enough uh, to continue to be a part of the rotation moving forward. Uh, I just, God, I saw the same issues in summer league uh, that I saw this past season when he, when he joined the Pistons. Uh, he has his idea of what he wants to do on the basketball court. He wants to get in the post. He wants to post up, wants the ball. He doesn't want to do much other than that. And I just don't think that's a, a model for success. It didn't work last year. He wasn't efficient enough of a player on the offensive side of the court to do that consistently. And he is certainly not uh, helping the team on the defensive side of the floor either. So I just think, you know, there's a lot of people that are high on James Wiseman. There's a lot of people that think he's set for, you know, uh, an opportunity to break out and have a big year, uh, earn more minutes, live up to, to his, you know, being the number two pick in the draft. Uh, in in 2020, but I just I just don't see it. Uh, if you are a believer, hey, bet online. You can you can bet them for most improved player of the year at plus five thousand. Those are the same odds that Jalen Dern has. Um, I, I just don't think James Wiseman is is good enough to to be getting consistent minutes in the NBA. He might prove me wrong this year. He might be a completely different player than he was last year. Uh, come September, come October, I'm just not buying it. And if he's the, if he does the same stuff that he was doing last year and that he was doing in summer league, I just think the Pistons are going to be in for a, a, a lot of, you know, head scratching moments, wanting to pull your hair out watching him play because he just does so many frustrating things that are, are, are detrimental to the team's success. Uh, I just don't see it happening for James Wiseman. He's my pick for a player that is going to disappoint or under exceed expectations. Well, I don't know what's going to happen with James Wiseman, but uh, I do know that if he starts over Jalen Duran, Monty Williams better not show up at Applebee's for the first few months of his time in Detroit. <laughs> deep That's cut. all I'm saying. Deep cut right there. Uh, yeah, but it, baby, if you know, you know. If you... Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's all I had to say on that. Yeah, he. I, I, I like the Wiseman pick as well. Um, yeah, I mean, look one side of the fan base or the other is going to look uh pretty foolish for their thoughts on him after this year i think he's you know he's either going to prove one side wrong or the other uh i, I think you and i kind of agree we fall on one aspect of it but hey i'm always happy to be proven wrong when it comes to uh, a player on the pistons roster being good i i would love to be wrong on that so yeah i like that call as well Aaron. Well, that is all we had for this week's show. We missed you this week, Mike. Mike Ingwano, our usual host of the podcast, usually the captain that steers the ship, not with us this week. But he did write last week on palaceofpistons.com. I urge you to go check it out. I had a nice column out there talking about why this should be the last patient Pistons offseason. Uh, Mike talks about the moves the Pistons made this summer you know, the thought process behind making them and why this should be, you know, the last offseason before the Pistons maybe go out next summer and make a big time play, a big time splash uh, in free agency or via the trade market. So definitely recommend you guys going and checking that out. 
on palaceofpistons.com. Uh, appreciate your guys' support as always. You know, make sure to follow us on all our socials. Palace of Pistons on Twitter is definitely the perfect place to follow us. You can follow me on Twitter at a Johnson NBA, and you can follow Jasper at Blade Cunningham. Jasper, anything else you want to mention uh, as we wrap up this week's show? Yeah, I mean, I loved Mike's article. Second that, he he killed it. Uh, I haven't seen somebody spitting like that since Pumpkin on New York. Uh, that's a real deep cut for my Flavor of Love fans out there. Um, yeah, great article. I loved it. Oh, also, uh, yesterday I had the opportunity to be on Lakers Fast Break, uh, which was an absolute blast. We chopped it up for almost two hours, and honestly, I could have probably gone for another two hours talking about the Pistons, so please check them out. Uh, give give that podcast a, a watch or a listen, and make sure to support them as well. I, I really appreciated them having me on, and, and you know, we always love talking about basketball. It, it doesn't matter which team it is. Uh, we, we just love this stuff, Aaron. I mean, that's how we can get on a podcast on a absolutely nothing happening week and just chop it up for like an hour with no problem. We love this game and I can't wait to get back into the regular season. Um, yeah, that's all I got for this week. Very much looking forward, uh, to that, that first week of training camp, uh, in September, I'm the, 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 the doldrums of the NBA offseason. you know, even with the schedule, release last week i mean we're just at a point and and maybe it'll pick up with with fiba world cup starting uh even though there's really not any pistons playing in it um but i'm just ready for 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 basketball to be back for teams to be getting together and playing and getting more player news and, and things like that the the doldrums of august are are brutal and i'm glad that this is you know we're, we're nearing the end of it you can you can smell basketball in the air uh so very very excited to to be getting back to that here soon uh, we really do appreciate everyone listening. Uh, we hope you continue to listen and support. Let us know what you think of the show. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you know, drop it in the comments as, as some people always do. And if you haven't yet, tell us what you think. We appreciate it. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to this week's edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast brought to you by Believe and Bet Online. We will see you guys next week. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube